0: Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast. Thank you for watching and listening. I'm grateful for this platform today. Our show is brought to you by Ship Station. And as folks are adapting to this changing world, we're all going to buy more stuff online. That's just, that's the way it is, especially with this crazy virus. Uh, and if you are an e-commerce seller, are you ready to meet the demands of this new delivery culture? But you could be ready with Ship Station, whether you're selling online, you're getting a lot of orders. Maybe you're doing uh, like like Amber does with you know crafts at home, and you want to sell on Etsy, or whether you're Yigi Apparel and you're you're, you're trying to move uh, a bunch of a bunch of product while still keeping people happy, where they could track it and they could they could uh, feel confident that their order is going to get there. You can't do that by yourself. It's it's too much to do. Uh, This helps online sellers get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. It doesn't matter if, like I said, if it's Etsy or Amazon or your own website. It brings them all into one simple interface to be able to ship. And it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You're going to ship more in less time with the best rates available. They use UPS... FedEx, USPS, Amazon Fulfillment. Uh, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. You save money and they're happy at the same time because they probably paid less and got it sooner. Um, so here's your call to action, everybody. Right now, Granger Smith podcast listeners could try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code GRANGER. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Granger. That's shipstation.com. Then enter the offer code GRANGER. ShipStation.com. Make ship. Happen. Today's podcast is answering questions. I fielded a bunch of them today off Instagram, and I love these kind. I love to be able to dive in, and and I don't have any notes, so I'm not keeping notes here. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe the show in a way could be better if I went through every question and wrote out a little thesis and got it, you know tried to get real interesting with it. Maybe in a way on some of these questions. They could be better. I could answer them more concisely and give you specific answers. But I think it's cool if I just wing it and I read a question. I screenshotted several of them. Uh, If I just kind of wing it, read the question, and answer off the top of my head as if we're sitting in a living room together. That's the goal. Me and you sitting together. Maybe I'm driving, you're sitting shotgun, and we're just having a conversation. That's how I want this to feel. Welcome to episode 45 The Granger Smith podcast. <music> I think it's fair to say before I start, a lot of these questions are based on um, a new album. There's a lot of questions about a new album, so I'll try to answer those quickly, but uh, there is a new album from me coming out, and you guys are going to hear songs at the end of this month August the 28th you're going to expect a couple new songs and then the rest of the album in September also on that day August 28th I will be announcing the exact date in September that the album's going to come out plus more I can't tell you everything yet uh there's a lot I can't tell you yet but but there's going to be more after September more songs and I'll tell you how and so with that being said I'll dive into some of these questions is Yee, Yee Fest still on the radar after this new album? Yee, Yee Fest is a, a concept that my brothers and I have been wanting to do for a long time, where we could we could brand a festival with music and theme it to Yee, Yee Nation, where we have some of my, maybe some of my influencer buddies like Matt Carricker at Demo Ranch. And Lunker's TV and Lake Fork Guy and Outlaw and a bunch of these uh, Matt Best like you know like some of these um, these crazy influencers that I'm in music videos with and that some of them are on this podcast with um, and we we could all just have a big yee-yee party, play music, have other bands, um, maybe like uh, mudding you know bring your ATV. And, and have like a, a mudding trail, It would be so fun. And we have been putting this off for different reasons. 2019 had a big turn for me in my personal life. 2020, of course, concerts just are not happening now as far as festivals are concerned uh, because of COVID. So I, I would really hope and expect you're going to see a Yee Yee Fest in 2021. I really hope so. There's a couple ways we could do it. We could do multiple Yee Yee Fest where we do like an East Coast version, a West Coast version and something right in the middle in the Midwest. Or we could just stick with like something in the Midwest and expect people to come around to that and do it for multiple days. Comment below. Let me know which one you would prefer. Will you consider making a Christmas CD pretty please hashtag Yee Yee? Um, Yeah, I, I screenshotted this one because... I personally won't be making a Christmas CD, at least not this year, but we have, we have been toying with the idea of Earl Dibbles Jr. doing a Christmas song or two or three, or four. And we have, a, I have a lot of Earl Christmas song ideas and I think it would be so fun. So the, the reason I screenshotted this and wanted to answer it is because I would love for Earl to have a Christmas song. I hope that you would too. So let me know about that too. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. What is the most dangerous thing you've done? I like that question. It's strange, strange, but I like it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in modern history of myself and not go into the teenage version of me that we all have. You know, a long list of things we could we could say about our teenage years of dangerous things that we've done. Um, but. I, in modern history, for me, I would love to think—I would love to think—that the most dangerous thing I've done has to involve me going to Iraq and playing music. And we did this three times, and and each time we went, we would uh, travel in helicopters, Black Hawk helicopters. We would take two Black Hawk helicopters. One would have me and the band, and the other one would have our cases and our guitars and gear and drums and stuff like that. And we would be there for about two weeks, each trip, each of the tours, and we would play about two shows a day for two weeks. So do the math, sometimes three shows, sometimes one show, sometimes three, most of the time two. That's a lot of shows. I don't don't even know exactly how many we played, but every day we traveled. So that could be, it could be an average day. Would be like we're we're in a in a fob, a small fob forward operating base, where people haven't seen music in a while, and maybe they don't even have a proper dining facility there. Um, maybe they don't even have a proper latrine. We saw some places that just had tubes, that literally PVC pipe tubes that went into the ground, and that's where you peed. And that's, like, that's what they had on bass as far as latrine was concerned. So we loved going to those kind of places. So we would play a concert there, right there in the dirt. And then the helicopters would come in to the LZ. They would pick us up, and we would go to another gig. And we would go to a similar place, and we would play the gig, and then we would stay there in tents. So we'd stay in the tents. And then that's when it got weird because sometimes – depending on this, the flight schedule, because we were like the la- obviously the last on the list of logistics of moving people around for these Blackhawks. So depending on the flight schedule, sometimes our flight would leave at 2 a.m. Sometimes it would leave at like 7 a.m. That was most mostly early morning, like 6, 7, 8 a.m. But sometimes we didn't know. Sometimes it was a window, say, of midnight to 3 a.m., be ready. So we would sleep in our clothes, with our bags just lay on our bags and uh just we learned just like the army did there and the marines to fall asleep and um lay on the bag as a pillow and be ready if you hear a helicopter they would wake us up say hey birds are rolling in so with that to, to get back to the question There's always a danger when you're flying that much twice a day in helicopters in a war zone. There's always just a certain amount of danger that goes to that because we would ask them, like, how many Blackhawks go down ever in Iraq? I'm thinking maybe one or two, and you would hear about it on Fox News. No, I was wrong. They go down a lot, and our news media outlets just don't report it you just don't because it's it's like it doesn't matter anymore to the average civilian as far as a news cycle. So, but they do go down a lot and those those men and women that fly those, oh gosh, that is a is, there's a lot of tough gigs out there and that's one of them that you don't think about as often those pilots and those crew chiefs and everybody that flies in those Blackhawks it's tough man they're like they're like the workhorses of of the Middle East for American forces they're just going 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 and there's a lot of danger to it there was several times when we had um, really close calls with um, with shoulder mounted rocket launcher grenade launchers uh, um, I can't even think of everything that there are a lot of small armed guns that were shot at us. I can't even think of everything that was that was fired at us. But we got a little taste of a lot of it and we would have to shoot flares out to distract. We would make all kinds of uh, evasive maneuvers. I learned really, really fast that those Blackhawks could maneuver like crazy. They just go up, you know. And I mean, it's no roller coaster can compare to a Black Hawk helicopter. It's like you're sitting there. And then in a fraction of a second, you're completely vertical going straight up. And then it turns like this with zero reaction time. And then you could be, and there's no doors. So you're just, you know, you're completely sideways. There's the desert right there. You're... Thank God you're strapped in with these five-point harness, and then you're back the other way, and you don't even know that you're being pursued by some enemy fighter that's trying to kill you. So <laughs> we we had several of those experiences, and we also had experiences where we actually played concerts. And uh, a mortar we'd had incoming mortar round into the base, and hit close to where we were playing because probably because they could hear the music, and uh, the enemy could hear the music, and we would have to go into a bunker, and then we'd have to wait for a long time in these concrete bunkers for the all clear. All that being said, I it I have to when I tell stories like this, I have to say that um, I don't want to at all tell a story like this and try to to diminish or raise myself on a pedestal of look how scary this was because there's men and women that do this daily as part of their job. That's just what they do. And so for me to come in and say, I did two weeks, that's nothing. So let me just throw this out there that that was probably the most dangerous thing I've done is those series of shows, those series of travels. Um, but it does not compare to the people that actually do it for a living. And that's part of their lives. Because I remember when those, when those Blackhawks would land and we would jump off, and we had to jump off fast because their schedule was so tight, they're off to another mission. And I remember a couple times after these crazy maneuvers, after the crazy incoming and, and, and RPGs are coming in and they we're dropping flares, crazy maneuvers, they drop us off. We get off on the LZ and we're moving, and I look back; those birds are already gone. They're going right back into Baghdad, right back into the hell zone. And I'm just thinking, shh, God bless them, man. God bless them. They're just going right back where they came from, because that's their job. So, um, yeah, I, I love talking about that subject. And uh, to Colin from Instagram. It's probably the most dangerous thing I've done. I'm going to take a quick break. This podcast is brought to you guys by Features. There's little things you could do in life that end up these small things that make a big difference. Like if I'm making an album and I'm listening to putting the song together and all the instrumentation and it's like it's not right. And then I find this one little guitar part, this tiny little thing, and I change that one little part, and suddenly the song comes together. And that is how Features is. And they're socks. They're really good socks. And so changing your socks actually makes a big difference. I mean, runners use them. They have their uh, new Elite Golf Socks that helps keep feet cool, dry, blister-free while providing a custom-like fit that won't bunch up or slip when you're doing your backswing or when you're jogging on your on your daily walk. Um, I'm actually wearing them right now. And they they feel like... They, they're, they're super thin, but they feel thick, if that makes sense. They, they wrap around your feet, and they, they create this texture that feels almost like you're wearing a tennis shoe inside your tennis shoe um, without feeling like it's even there at all because it's so thin. I don't, I'm not really sure how they do it, but it's, it's really amazing, and I'm, I'm wearing them right now. Um, I, I want to tell you guys that feature socks will change the way you feel about socks forever. And um, I, I haven't I haven't even I have like four pair of these and I haven't I, I'm reluctant to even wash them because they're so they're so comfortable all the time and they I, the next day when I find them I'm like I'm wearing those again. I'm not going back to the old ones. Uh, here's your call to action. You can get ten dollars off your first pair of features when you use the code Granger at feature.com. That's features.com. F E E T U R E S D O T dot com. Promo code Granger for $10 off your first pair of features. I love answering these questions for you guys. And here's one that says Have you ever thought about coming to Canada's prairies? I know you have a lot of fans here. And I screenshotted this because I was like, We've played Canada a lot. And I've never heard specifically someone say, have you ever thought about coming to Canada's prairies? I actually don't even, Jeff, I don't even know what that means. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking east of Calgary? When the mountains start, you're talking about going east where the prairies are? So you guys got to help me with this. Um, but regardless, Jeff, we love playing Canada. Some of the, some of my favorite fans. Um, I feel like we've played coast-to-coast coast in Canada. Not nearly enough, but we have played coast-to-coast coast on several tours. And so, um, yes, buddy, count me in for Canada's Prairies. Here's a question that says, is there going to be Earl Dibble's Jr. songs on this new album? Um, yes, buddy, yes, yes. The So, the album as a whole, as a lot of songs on it. There's going to be three Earl Dibbles Jr. features. I'll go ahead and tell you now. Two of them. This is exclusive podcast information. Two of them are just Earl. So it's like your typical Earl, like he did "City Boy Stuck" and "Country Boy Song" and and uh, "Country Boy Love" and "America." Don't tread on me. This is. There's two of those, and then there's one where he's with Granger, with me. And it's always weird speaking third person, but when he's with me, like and holler when he comes in at the bridge. Um, You're going to learn a lot more about this in the next month. But, uh, dude, I'm excited. Earl songs are always so fun immediately to add them to a show, a live concert. Because we could—there's so many other songs that really depend on if the crowd knows them and if the crowd's going to sing along and if they're familiar with the new song yet. But Earl doesn't matter. Like, we could play an Earl song tomorrow— You've never heard it, we've never played it, and it's just going to work. So I'm really excited about that as far as a live show is concerned. Here's a question from Holden Anderson. It says, what is the most you've missed out from being... Uh, Let me read this again. What is the most you have missed from being out on tour? And I'm assuming... What is the most you've missed from being out on tour? I'm assuming you're talking about stuff at home like what have i had to skip because i'm on the road touring and that is that has always been a struggle with not only me but my band and crew it's a sacrifice we make and um there is a garth brooks song called night riders lament it's an unknown album cut song night riders lament And man, I've always loved that song because it just talks about this cowboy that's, that's out on, on, on a drive with his few cowboy loner buddies. And he gets a letter from home and he reads it. And the letter talks about his old girl is now married and she's doing great. And man, you really, you really missed the boat when you didn't come back. And, um. And you get all, you get this sad feeling like, man, he sacrificed a really cool life and a really cool girl all for this life as being a cowboy. But then when he gets to the bridge, it says, "Ah, oh, but they've never seen the northern lights. They've never seen a hawk on the wind. They've never spent spring in the great divide. And they've never heard old Camp Cookie sing. And it gives me chills just thinking about it. It's like you, you, you sacrifice such a, a normal life to be on the road, but there's certain things you get out of it that are worth it. And that's the way I feel about touring. I've missed a lot in my life. Um, I've had to sacrifice a lot. Um, but, but it's not all in vain. Like if it was in vain, I wouldn't do it anymore. I'd, I would quit, but there's, uh, there's things that we get. There's smiles that we see. There's, there's hugs that we're able to give. Um, there's lives that we can foreseeably change with music and with touring and we're making memories we're all those helicopter stories i just told you that that doesn't happen without touring if i'm if i'm safe and i'm home and i'm living my safe little predictable life i don't have those stories i don't have a potential to Make someone smile on a bad day. Bring someone out of a, a, a place that they didn't want to be, in a dark place that that only a, a music concert on a Saturday night could have brought. And this is not at all bragging on me. It's, it's a testament to what music and live music and touring does. All that being said, buddy, Holden, your question, uh, what is the most you have missed from being out on tour? Man, I've missed... I've missed countless birthdays, um, for my kids, my wife, I've missed anniversaries. I've missed every single wedding from everybody you could possibly imagine that I've had from high school and college. Um, and we all have, and that has just been part of, that's been part of the sacrifice. We just don't go to weddings because weddings are on Saturday nights and we're playing. That's when we're making money. That's when, that's when we work. That. In comparison, Saturday night to me is your Monday afternoon. Like that's your work day. That's the day you got to go. You got to go to work. You got to clock in on Monday. That's just when you go. I got to clock in on Saturday night. And with that, my choice is I, I, I'd I, say, hey, sorry, tour. Sorry, band. Sorry, crew. Um, I got a buddy from college. He's getting married and I'm going to go. Be at that wedding. And some of you listening might might think, well, that would be the noble thing to do. That's your buddy. But where do you draw the line? And, and where do I say, I have an obligation with my band and crew to play this show or with my fans to play this show? What At what point do I start saying no to a buddy? Or at what level of friendship does he need to be if I'm going to say yes to his wedding? Man, I Johnny Wasinski, my bass player. I missed his wedding because we had a show that night, and we had to get a fill-in bass player. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be mean or or, or cynical or crude uh, by any means. That's just what we signed up for, and we don't skip we don't skip touring to stay home and go to birthday parties and weddings. Now, all that being said, we try our hardest to be as present as possible when we are home and when we are with our friends and make up for it and when my kid has a birthday on a on a Thursday night and I'm gone when I'm come home Sunday we're doing a birthday party and we're going to make it big and we're going to make it special and I'm going to FaceTime on that Thursday and I'm going to I'm going to send them secret notes that they're hidden in the room that they're going to find under their pillow I'm going to I'm going to to go try to go an extra mile on those days to make up for it But unfortunately, that's part of the sacrifice. That's a good question. Uh, Here's one. Um, Speaking of cowboys, when are you coming to Wyoming, buddy? If you're listening to this in real time on Monday when this podcast comes out, I'm coming to Wyoming Thursday. In three days, I'll be driving to Wyoming. So we're going to Cheyenne this coming Thursday. So we are touring here and there. It's sparse, but we are here and there. Iceberg ask what kind of music-making software do you use? And um, I'm assuming you're talking about recording. You say music-making software. I'm assuming you're talking about audio recording software. And that is Pro Tools. It's what I'm using right now for this podcast, directly behind this camera. I'm running my laptop, and I'm running Pro Tools, and it's recording this microphone into Pro Tools, it is a software recording th- th- that I have used since 2003, I believe. I've used Pro Tools for 17 years, y'all. Um, I was using it when it was old and black and white, and it was great back then. I was going to say when it old and black and white, not that good, but hey, it was great in comparison. Like it was always, it's always been top of the line, you know, cutting edge technology. It's always, um, it's always been very user friendly, which is what I love about Pro Tools. But if you guys are thinking about it, it's kind of the industry standard too. There's a, there's a few others that people use and um, the industry standard is typically Pro Tools. So if I'm recording in Pro Tools, I could send it to a buddy. Who's going to put a guitar down in Pro Tools, and I could send it to my other buddy who's going to mix it in Pro Tools, and my other buddy who's going to edit in Pro Tools. Um, So most people use it. It's industry standard. Uh, And if it's not, if if someone's not using it, you could easily bounce down to WAV files and send them that for um, the software that they're using but i'm a i'm a big a big advocate for it and i've used it for 17 years in a lot of albums every album you've ever heard every vocal you've ever heard has come from my computer on pro tools different versions here's one i'm going to take a break in a minute and so i don't want to get into this is a good one both of these back to back are good so Um, here's Mike, he says, when are the new songs coming out? So I'll reiterate um, one more time that the album is coming out in September. There will be be more after that. That announcement's coming on August the 28th where you're going to get two new songs on August the 28th. And then on that same day, you'll get the announcement of how and why and when the rest of the music is coming. Um, Joe says... Will your new album have any previously released singles? Much love, fist bump. Joe, it will have one song on the digital that you know, and that's that's why I love Dirt Roads. So that will be the only song on the digital release. That's Spotify and, and Apple Music and Pandora and all the other digital platforms. Uh, that will only have That's Why I Love Dirt Roads that you know. But the physical, the actual CD, which is not coming out yet. it's That's that's a little bit later announcement to come soon. That will have Holler. And That's Why I Love Dirt Roads featuring Lathan Warlick on the CD. So the CD will have all of that. it will have all the new songs plus those. So, um... We didn't think you needed to get it on on. You didn't didn't need to get anything that existed Already on digital because you already have it. Digitals right there um, But for the collector's item which is basically What CDs are these days are collector's items um, It'll have some extra stuff I'm going to get to some of these ooh, These deeper ones Quick break This episode is brought to you guys by Raycon Earbuds. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not your roommates or your neighbors or significant other, your children crying or laughing or in the background. You want to isolate, and everyone needs a pair of wireless earbuds. But, hey, before you drop all this money, hundreds of bucks, literally on a pair, check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. And you already know that Raycons, they start off literally at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbud on the market. And they sound just as amazing. And they really seal. So you're not going to get all this outside noise. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are their best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit, Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. They're perfect for conference calls, or Granger Smith podcast, or the new Granger Smith album. Um, I, I like them because when you're when you're on an airplane. Um, I'm, I'm doing a normal time. I'm on an airplane a lot and it's, people are chatting around you and you hear that hum and you just want to close your eyes and get lost in a little music or a little podcast. These are perfect for that. And with that six hour of battery life, and it's going to be really easy to get on any plane and go the whole flight. Um, so now it's time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get fifteen percent off your order at buyraycon.com/granger. That's buyraycon.com/granger for fifteen percent off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com/granger. I, I want to get into a deeper question here. And it says, how do you deal with a negative review from the media, Yee from New Zealand? I need to say, first of all, uh, media is not really, uh, really, I, the, the negativity is more from social media, from people you know, commenting hate on social media. And it's even that is rare. And I, maybe it's rare because I don't look for it and I don't want to deal with it. Um, I just try to skip over it. Uh, and I don't see, and especially in country music, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of negative reviews in the media because everyone pretty much plays nice or they just don't talk about it at all. It's like the old grandma saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, but I can't, I'd can't. i be lying to you if I didn't say that there are times when I make a post or put out a video or put out a song and scroll past good comments looking for a bad one. And I don't know what it is about human nature that makes us want to look for a fight or drive around looking for looking for trouble this is basically what it is when you're on social media just scrolling you're basically it's the old days of driving around looking for trouble and I don't know what it is about human nature that makes you makes that that little bit of that little the little spark in the brain that goes I'm gonna find something bad like oh good one good one good one good one good this is the worst oh perfect what's this guy saying what's he saying about how bad this song is it takes practice to get away from that, to get out of that habit, to try to avoid that. Um, but needless to say, it does happen. So I took this this little poster off my brother's wall next door, and it's kind of hard to read because it's gold and it's it's got glares on it. But Theodore Roosevelt, who I've spoken about many times on this podcast, who I have tattooed on my arm, dare mighty things on my left arm. Um, he speaks to that. He speaks to your question, dude. He speaks to exactly what you're saying. How do you deal with a negative review? And this is what Theodore Roosevelt would say. It's called, uh, it was a speech made and, and the speech has been commonly titled The Man in the Arena. And it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man that's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who does great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Good old Teddy. I could not have said that any better. So um, how do you deal with a negative review? You don't listen to it unless they're in the arena with you. Blood, sweat, and tears fighting right there alongside of you. Those are the people you listen to. You can name those people. Each of you on this podcast listening and me, we could all name on one or two hands the people that are in the arena with us fighting our battle with us, right? And if you're not, if you're not there, so say, for instance, me, if I put out a song and there's some random dude up high in the bleacher seats in the analogy of the arena, the gladiator arena as Roosevelt was thinking there's a dude up in the nosebleeds and he goes, I don't like it. I can't hear you. I can't hear you down here because I'm fighting a battle in the floor of the arena. And there's men that want to kill me. And they're we're all fighting and sweating and bleeding. And there's a few guys with me here fighting with me. We got swords and shields and, you know, but that guy from nosebleeds who just came in to watch the fight, I'm sorry, dude. I'm, I can't listen to you. I can't, I can't even hear you. So uh, that's not me. That's not a singer. Uh, that's not a country singer. Or a, This is life. This is so many things in life. This can apply. You name it, plug it in. It applies to you and your life. Boom. The next one. Do you ever struggle with self-confidence? Yes. Yes, that's an easy answer. That's an easy question, easy answer, but it's much more complicated than that. Do you ever struggle with self-confidence? Daily. I wake up in the morning and I, I deal with it. And, and there's, there's voices in my head in the morning. When first thing i wake up says, you're not good enough today. You're not good enough to be where you are. You think you have a podcast? What a joke. Have you, have you heard Joe Rogan? You know how many followers he has? How many listeners he has? Yours is a joke. You're not good enough. Why would anyone, this podcast thing is going to go away. You got a couple sponsors on this episode. Good for you. That's going to go away. You probably won't have them next week. This goes on and on and on until you learn to silence that internal voice. And as we spoke about the critic in the last question, the biggest critic is yourself. And you got to beat yourself. You got to be better than you were yesterday. And a lot of times that's silencing that voice that wants to tell you you're not good enough. So it's a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle to not scroll through Instagram and look for negative comments. It's a daily struggle to silence the voice that wants to tell me that I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not good enough. I struggled for a long time. And I, I think I could honestly say, I ah, probably, probably not. I probably can't say this yet. But I did struggle. And I remember the first time I felt this feeling. It was when I was going to Texas A&M. And I had a song that was that was locally popular called We Bleed Maroon. And it was about the school, Texas A&M University. And it, it went, uh, went a little bit viral back then. It was in 2006. Enough that I was able to move some product, move some songs, little albums, EP. And then I was able to sell tickets at concerts and get a bunch of people there as opposed to the old days when it was like 40 people, I could actually go in a couple of times and see a sea of four or 500 people. And I remember being out there knowing that I had We Bleed Maroon. That was the reason they came. They came because I was the guy that sang We Bleed Maroon. How do you think that makes me feel on every other song I sang that night? Completely self-conscious. All I'm thinking is, A, I got to hurry up and get the Weebleed Maroon. And B, what am I going to do after that song's over? Like, how am I going to end the show if that's the song they came to hear? So it was a st- huge struggle. And I would think about it song after song. I'd be thinking, no one wants to hear this song. I'm sucking. I'm not worthy of these all these people being here. I'm disappointing them. I know it. I'm disappointing these people. They came to hear one song, and now I'm disappointing them with all the others. Instead, I could have been replacing those thoughts with, all right, I'm going to try to win these people over. They came to hear one song, I'm going to try to win them over with another song that they don't even know. Then they'll leave here a fan of that song. But I I would be lying if I said the the voice that won those conversations in my head was typically the voice that said, you are not worthy to be here. You're disappointing these people. You better hurry to get to We Bleed Maroon. And I, I still feel that voice. It's gotten a lot better, a lot better. I would say 95% of the shows I play now, I'm able to enjoy them and play them song by song and actually enjoy the moment and be in the moment with my band and be in the moment with the fans. But there's still that 5%. Maybe I'm in a, a bigger show or it's a TV show or it's a big arena show. And I think, oh, I'm, I got lucky. I just got lucky. I lucked my way into the show and I just tricked them. I tricked these people into thinking that they should be here to hear me. But then they're really going to be disappointed and probably end up filing out one by one as soon as they realize the joke's on them. I just tricked. I'm a con artist and I tricked them into coming to this show. So, um, so yeah. I know that's a long answer, but do I struggle with self confidence? Absolutely, I do. What life advice would you give to a young adult that you wished you knew? You would have known. Let me read that again. I messed that up. What life advice would you give to a young adult that you wished you would have known? Great question by Sierra. And it's taken me a lot of years to realize that there's a story worth reading, worth understanding in the Bible. And some of you are going to might maybe be repulsed by that answer. Some of you um, might agree with that answer. And some of you, who I'm probably speaking to, I hope, are wondering what that means and may be intrigued by that. And I would have to say, because a lot of these questions too were like, hey, are you going to do, Amber does her devotionals every Sunday morning, are you going to do that? And I'm still really in a place of... Um, figuring out my rhythm right now with this, but the truth of the matter is I became a devotional junkie a little bit, and I felt like I got too much into reading Christian devotionals and hearing these beautiful verses and a beautiful explanation of the verse and a way that I, that could apply to my life at the time. And I think that's great, but I became a junkie about it. And I read every morning and that's what I read. That was the extent of it instead of actually getting into the scripture itself and digging in. And when I did that, I stopped devotionals. I stopped the influence from man altogether from preachers and, and, uh, worship leaders and devotionals and books and podcasts. And I got away from all of it. And I just went into the word itself, the scripture itself, starting at the beginning. I actually read the the complete new Testament first discovered all the beauty of the new Testament, all the missing pieces. I heard it described one time. It's like a beautiful scripture. is like a pearl and you hold it out in front of you. Oh, God so loved the world. Or, you know, you have these beautiful verses and it's a beautiful pearl. But then when you read it all in context and read why, for instance, John said three sixteen, 16 and why Paul said all the beautiful things he says in Romans and, and Corinthians, you, you, you feel the entire string of all the pearls laid out in front of you. And it all just makes sense. And so that's been my journey for a while now. For this whole year, it's just been um, avoiding devotionals. And, um, and it's not that I avoid uh, sermons and preachers, but I, I, um, I, start, I start with me. And the own word, my my own interpretation of the word that I'm reading right there in the Bible. So now I'm in the Old Testament, for example, and I'm like, wow, this is all this, like all the dots are. I've I, I've gone to Sunday school since I was a little kid, guys, but I know all the stories. I know Noah and the Ark. I know Moses and the Ten Commandments. I know these stories, but when you connect them and you create the timeline and you read it as an adult, and you read it without someone preaching in your ear or without a devotional telling you to turn to this page, you just start and it's like, Oh my God, this story is literally, Oh my God, this story is amazing. And, um, it's changing my life again. I feel, I feel like I I have died and (laughs) been reborn literally. And so I'll get, I'll get way more into that. And, um, as I continue down that path, I'll, I'll kind of pull more of that, those, little, those little pieces out for you guys. Um, these are awesome questions. Thank you all for asking them. Uh, if you have a question, go to your social media of choice and hashtag Granger Smith Podcast. Ask me the question. I'll search for it. Find it. Uh, I'll have guests, too, coming up soon. And so much more to talk about with this new album. Love you guys. Appreciate you listening. See you next time. Yee yee.